Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bccweb.com. Let's just pray as we move into the, the, the discussion this morning. So Lord God, we come to you this morning. <clears throat> Lord, our hearts are filled with uh, awe at who you are. Lord God, um, we live to worship and follow you, Jesus. And Lord, we come into your presence, we come into your kingdom, we come into your will. And this morning as we explore the scriptures, Lord, bless us, Lord. May we have hearts that are open and understanding that is, is able to take on board what you're saying to us personally, Lord. We know that you're the God who speaks to us individually and in ways that are important to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so we're fi- week five into the uh, Better Life series as we've abbreviated it. Can I have a better life? And... Um, do you think it's possible to have a better life? Yes. Um, that means things have got to change. And uh, to have any improvement, it means change. And so often we want something better, but we don't like the, the process of change. And, and God is very gracious with us. He navigates us gently and sometimes not so gently. But God, uh, in, in the course of developing us and moving us forward, is always looking to improve the situation. He's never trying to punish us. He's not trying to pull you down. He's not trying to... To, to make you conform to a set of rules. He's trying to show you that there's a way you can discover the fullness of life in his kingdom. And he empowers us to do that. It's exciting. So this morning, the focus particularly on this theme is discovering the source. Discovering the source. And if there was anyone in the service from the first service, in fact, we were pretty full in the, in the first meeting earlier this morning, um, don't confuse discovering the source with table source. Okay, just um, My kids love sauce tomato ketchup um, nobody in our household likes brown sauce but who likes barbecue sauce uh, those who like ketchup put your hand not many some apparently it's britain's most popular most <laughs> look at the young people they smile as soon as you say ketchup it's like you know i came home yesterday i was i, I had to do some errands for liz <laughs> my wife uh, she, she um, asked me to do a few things and I was out, and I just stopped by McDonald's on the way home. And I thought, I'll phone Rebecca, Olivia, not Rebecca, Olivia, and just ask her if she wants a Happy Meal. And of course, that's just a no-brainer. She's at an age where Happy Meals are the staple diet of all humanity. And, uh, and so Happy Meal, it was, and then she didn't answer the phone. I thought, oh, great, I'm off the hook. But I thought, ah, oh, surprise her, a little dad treat. I go and buy a, a chicken nugget Happy Meal. And... Uh, and uh, it was so funny I got home and I said to her I said you didn't answer the phone I got this happy meal for you I was always wanting to get you a happy meal and she said oh I really want one I said well you've got your one and I gave her this happy meal and she said that is amazing you really made my day and I thought okay that's good that's good and later on it was such a big deal for her she said you know I cried and I said you cried she said the food was so good <laughs> good job her mother's not in the meeting <laughs> anyway I just thought well anyway she loves ketchup and um, uh, you know they, they say you can do quite a lot with ketchup um, one of the things outside of eating it that's good uh, good to do apparently is to shine copper and silver and car parts so um, ketchup has got some ingredients in it that can 
clean your bumpers <laughs> and your insides by the sound of things. Um, not only that, if you've had a peroxided hair job recently, anyone had a hair job? I, I, I need one, but I just have mine replaced. Um, but uh, if you have and it goes wrong and goes green, then ketchup is the answer. Apparently, it helps, you know, I don't think it'll look pretty, but anyway, it'll do the job, apparently. It'll correct the greenness in your hair. Um, alternatively, it's a useful additive for children's paints if you want to go pink or red or anything. So, bizarre things. So, source. So, it's not that kind of source. We're discovering the source. And uh, trouble is now I've planted in your mind the idea of ketchup and table sauce. Just lost the plot. But um, in, in order to have a better life, we really do need to understand the true source, the real source, the source, the, the life source, the source of, um, uh, of destiny, the source of history, the source of creation, the source of of our futures and if we bring our lives into alignment with God then as our source he will lead us in the right path we know that from scripture I'm going to read this morning um, from Ruth 2 which is the, the the book we've been looking at now Ruth is a book from the Old Testament we've mentioned before it was written some 1100 years maybe 1200 years before Christ so it's an old book but it emphasizes that God is interested in who people are uniquely, the uniqueness of people. God's interested. And so this book is, is very much revolves around dialogue between people in the story. But it's not a story. It's a true um, life adventure, really. Um, and it mirrors something that God is going to do and did do in the New Testament, or was going to do and did do in the New Testament. So the book of Ruth is a tremendous um, story that shows how... Uh, Problem situations can be turned into God situations, which become situations that transform our futures. Um, last uh, in the previous series, uh, previous weeks, we've looked at an introduction. Week one, uh, week two, we looked at choices and how to make the right kind of choices. We talked about Elimelech. You may remember that, who, given the the choice around the time of famine, made the wrong choice and took his family out of God's location of blessing and put his whole family into a, a location where really God was not moving in any particular way and, and pay the price for it really for many, many years. Um, and in a, in his own sons ended up dying without having kids. And uh, the story then goes forward that Naomi, his wife, his widow, uh, returns to Bethlehem and uh, brings with her her daughter-in-law, Ruth. Um, but last week, um, or the week before, Deborah talked about the rebuilding process. Remember she talked about you can still sow in a time of famine? That's an amazing truth, that. Sowing in the time of famine. It may be barren around you, but the power of God is way bigger than circumstances. Because God's eternal. God's eternal. Because He's eternal and because He creates everything, or He's the creator of the world is the creator who, who breathes life into things. Even though you can see times of famine, even in your own lives, you sow in a time of famine. You watch what happens. Because when you go against earthly constraints and you, put, you bring faith-based truth into your world, God really loves it. And things happen when that happens. So she talked about sowing in times of uh, famine and the rebuilding process. Adam did a great job last week on provision and talked to tremendously about that verse 3 in Ruth 2. As it happened, um, this is Ruth, she found herself working in a field that belonged to this man Boaz. As it happened. And so many times um, we see God directing our paths through what appears to be just coincidence. Just coincidence. Just so happened. 
That has happened to me so many times in my life. Um, So often we want the textbook definition of what's the future going to be. And yet God doesn't just spell it out. He just allows us to start the journey. And then when we move on that journey, that's why when we come to him, when we come to faith and we put our trust in Jesus, the journey is a step-by-step journey. And those who are new to faith, sometimes they carry with them things that they need to change. And those of us who've been around for a long time in faith are still going through a change process. Why? Because it's the journey. It's not actually ultimately the destination on this earth that is what it's all about. It's the, it's the journey of trusting Jesus, trusting God, trusting in his Holy Spirit to move us through and be with us on our journey. So important. So it just so happened. Um, And uh, now this morning we're going to look at Ruth 2 from verses 14 to 19. And I'll read it in the New Living Translation. Get my glasses on so that I can actually see the text. (laughs) Okay, so from verse 14. um, At mealtime, in fact, let's just stop there for a moment. Last week when Adam preached... He was effectively presenting the morning of the day of the encounter between Ruth and Boaz. So it was the morning, it was running up to lunchtime. And now I'm picking up effectively the afternoon and evening. So it was midday. At mealtime, noon, Boaz called to her, Come over here and help yourself to some food. You can dip your bread in the sour wine. So she sat with his harvesters and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. She ate all she wanted and still had some left over. When Ruth went back, to work again, Boaz ordered his young men, let her gather grain right among the sheaves without stopping her, and pull out some heads of barley from the bundles and drop them on purpose for her. Let her pick them up and don't give her a hard time. So Ruth gathered barley there all day, and when she, bent, uh, when she, uh, and when she beat out the grain that evening, it filled an entire basket. She carried it back into town and showed it to her mother-in-law. Ruth also gave the roasted grain that was left over from the meal. Um, Where did you gather all this grain today? Naomi asked. Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in whose field she had worked. She said, the man I worked with today is named Boaz. Just a string of coincidences. It just so happened. It just so happened that she had an encounter in the field that was owned by Boaz. Just so happened. So many of the major decisions in my life have come about because of those just-so-happened situations. It is almost, I mean, if I were to sit down and start writing down the number of times that that has happened, it's been loads, loads. In fact, I'm just thinking now about my last few years and realising the number of times it just so happened. I don't believe we live in a time of chance. I believe when we put our faith in Jesus, our situations mean something. I don't believe that God is just out there on a cloud, that he's, he's you know, speaking from behind a book, that he's just, he's given us the law and it's sort yourself out. It's not. God is intrinsically involved. He's completely involved in watching us, looking over us, guiding us, leading us. The trouble is sometimes we don't feel it. And as human beings, we feel other things. We are emotionally moved from from pain to joy to sadness to victory to celebration to disappointment to bereavement to to encouragement and and we carry all those things with us and they can be so distracting but God is consistent God doesn't change God is with us I'll never leave you or forsake you the Bible says he will never leave us so God is with us that means he's he's with us right now he's in this meeting God is here 
You may be here just by chance. You may, be, you may have walked in off the street for all I know. That happens quite often in this church. Someone will just turn up at the meeting. They just happen to be passing. They just happen to notice the sign. They just happen to come down. Is it possible that God, the Creator, could just, just happen to be involved in that? And the answer is yes. That's exactly how He does it. And it's a mystery, but He does it. That's where our faith comes from. Our faith is that we don't live in a chance situation. We live in a faith situation where we know that God is speaking. And we've got to untangle a few things and, and get some clarity, but that's where his word's important. So these journals that we promoted this morning, we want you to use journals. I journal pretty much every day, and I try and apply the word of God to my life on a regular basis. And by doing it, you find that you are navigating, you get understanding about situations. The number of times God speaks through just one word, just one little word. And there's a few of these one words in this text this morning that we'll look at and we'll open it up. So first key point, if we want to have, can I have a better life? Yes. Can we discover the source? Yes. The first principle we'll look at is help yourself. (laughs) Help yourself. Help yourself to what God has for you. Help yourself. As British, we are, I know there's many nationalities in this room, but as British, we are so cautious about freebies. We don't like it. We don't like a free lunch. We don't, there's always a catch. What's the catch? We're so kind of sceptical about things. You know, when, when we're offered something, it's, well, hang on, what's going on here? Am I going to be obligated to you? And our British reserve stops us really just moving forward. Um, I love the Americans. They're so sort of brassy in the sense. They just get on with it and they love it. They're generous. They just, they're hospitable and they love to kind of encourage one another. But as Brits, we tend to be very reserved. But let's read verse 14. It says, Boaz called to her, come over here and help yourself to some food. Help yourself to some food. Um, This book of Ruth and particularly Boaz um, is in Scripture a type of the life of Jesus Christ. And what do we mean by that? It means that God whispered through the scriptures way back in the Old Testament, over a thousand years before Jesus ever came to this earth. He whispered the process of change that will go on in in people's lives. And he whispered to us through the scriptures what um, effectively would happen. God knew right at the beginning of time, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, together they knew what the plan was. The plan was that Jesus Christ would come to this earth as a baby, grow to become a man, live a sinless life and give his life as a ransom, a payment for the debt of sin that each person on this earth carries. Um, there is no other way out of that debt situation. We are, we are born into a life that carries a penalty attached to it. Every one of us. There's no good people out there that can wipe that away. We are born into a life that carries a debt. And, uh, you know, this morning we celebrated communion. That is... That was an instruction by Jesus. Do this in remembrance of me. And it's a covenant. It's a covenant relationship commitment. And that that relationship was mirrored right back in the Old Testament in this story in the book of Ruth. And it takes us right through the journey and the process of developing and having a better life. God showed us in advance what he was going to do. So Boaz said, call to her. He called to her. It's exactly what Jesus does today. He calls to people. The Spirit of God calls to people, come here, come over here, come over here, come to me. We know the Scriptures, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and you will find rest for your souls. We know the Scriptures speak of these things. Come to me, come to me and help yourself to some food. 
Help yourself. I love that picture. That's an Old Testament picture about roasted grain. It's a New Testament picture about the Word of God. It's a New Testament picture. This is, these two things are happening at the same time. So Boaz was eating with his harvesters. He was involved. Jesus eats with us, us in the New Testament. Those who are followers of Jesus Christ, we are harvesters. We are harvesters. We are in the harvest field. Our calling is not to be in church as an end point. Our, our calling is to be in the harvest field. We are a missional church. We've got a vision for mission here, a vision for mission locally in our community. We have, a, we have vision and dreams that are being birthed right now about how we can extend our social action programs in the church, how we can uh, connect through various programs, how we can innovate new programs. We are never going to sit back and stay the same all the time. We are going to change, change, change. Why? Because society is shifting and changing and shifting and changing. And what was okay a year ago or two years ago is no longer relevant in some areas of society. So we are looking. What is it that God wants us to be? Where are we to harvest? Where is our field now? Is our, our field moved? Are we still in the same field? Or are we, is God opening new doors for us? Well, I believe God is, both locally and internationally. There are things going on and we're looking at it. So God um, is moving us and we are his harvesters and he's intrinsically involved. He says, come to me and eat. And it, it's, it's not, it's not, it doesn't stop when we give our life to Christ. That's just the beginning of this journey. So, um, so Boaz is a type of Christ and he's with us and he's in the field and he's with the harvesters and he calls us to join him. Now, recently we've been celebrating the life of Churchill and uh, I, I shared a, a famous quote from Churchill earlier. Uh, but I've got a different one for the second service. It says, A pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity. The optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. And sometimes we've just got to force ourselves, force ourselves not to keep looking at things in the same way. Because it, the pattern is not the same. God will move us. Boaz was looking. Ruth was looking. They were looking. The, the harvesters were looking. They're looking at barley to cut they're looking they're looking at the field they're working out what they do so it's important for us a pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity the optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty and it's so true and we can be our own worst enemies at times by speaking down ourselves and our situations just putting ourselves down by negative statements and i can't do stuff i'm telling you you can do so much more. You can do so much. God has empowered you. He has equipped you. He calls you a son of God. He calls you a co-heir with Christ. That is a huge thing. God, he, he lifted, while we were dead in our sins, He raised us up together with Christ. We're raised up together with Christ. He's lifted us up. Your past doesn't define your future. And your successes of the past can't define your future either. Because your successes of the past might become your failures of the future. Do you realise that? By relying on your past success could take you into a dangerous place going forward. But equally, your failures of the past don't need to be failures in the future. You know, you might be recovering from a trauma right now. You might be recovering from a really terrible situation. But God has got a plan. I love the story this week about Katie Cutler. 
um, who saw an article on the wires um, on the internet, mirror.co.uk, on Thursday. And you may have seen this yourselves. It was reported in the national press. Um, she saw this really sad story about a man called Alan Barnes, who's 67 years old. He's disabled. He was born uh, when his mum had German measles while she was pregnant. So it's not his fault, not her fault. It just happened. It just happened that his life was changed forever. He was born... Um, partially sighted and slightly disabled. Um, he's today four foot six. Little fella. Four foot six. He weighs six stone. You probably could blow him over if you, if you blew, <laughs> breathed on him too heavily. But this little fella, you know, carrying the results of something in his life that has no, was never his fault, was mugged outside his home. And the consequence of being mugged was his collarbone was broken. He, he, the fear came into his life. The fear came in, he went to live with his sister. And this girl, Katie, picked up on this and she opened a website. She was so moved, she said, right, if we can just raise £500 to go towards relocating him somewhere where he'll feel safe. And within 48 hours, they'd raised £62,000. It's incredible, isn't it? It just, your heart is stirred when you hear these stories of generosity and, and people wanting to step in. She was mind blown by this. I saw it on Saturday morning on TV. Um, £62,000 in two days. And this, this story has gone all around the world, across the UK, Canada, the US, New Zealand, Australia. And I don't know what the, where the figure is now. It must be much higher. But it's extraordinary. Imagine, imagine that situation. You know, the, the past failures don't need to define your future. So our first key point, Having a better life is discovering the source, but we've got to help ourselves to what God is offering to us. Help ourselves. We've got to start by receiving what He gives. The second key point is that God provides unseen provision. He's working on our behalf all around us, before us and after us. God is working. And we are the harvesters who are part of His working process. We are there. So the answer to this next point of seeing this unseen provision is to stop and consider what God's really doing. Stop and think about it. Stop. What is it? Where is God? What is He doing? What, what are the things that are blessing your life? What are the blessings that are in your life right now? Where are you seeing things just appear? It just so happened. It just appeared. What are they? The trouble is sometimes we get our minds preoccupied by I must have A, B and C to give me a better life. But actually God might be providing you with D, E, F. Right now, those things are more important than ABC. You're looking for ABC, but actually DEF is more important right now because God's starting a new journey for you. And you may have come through a time of crisis where actually a lot of what you've got has been stripped away. Not your fault, might be the fault of somebody else, but right now you're in a place where you're vulnerable, but God's going to provide you with the DEF. He's not giving you the ABC because the ABC is the last thing you need right now because it's going to send you off in that direction. He's going to give you what you need to stay in this direction. And so that's what's happening here. When we spot what God is really doing, where is the blessing coming from right now? It says in Ruth 2 verse 16, um, put, uh, pull, pull out some heads of barley from the bundles, this is Boaz, and drop them on purpose for her. Let her pick them up and don't give her a hard time. <laughs> These young men were prone to giving people a hard time, I guess. He knew his men better than some. Um, but God was laying down the provision. He was using Boaz and he was using the harvesters. Now, we are God's harvesters now in the New Testament. Under God's grace, we're his harvesters. God may say to you, come on, time to start laying down some stuff for someone else to pick up. He doesn't say, go to them and ram barley stalks down their throat. <laughs> doesn't say, force them to eat. God doesn't say that. He never says it. 
and some of you know our Christian reputation in some quarters, the far right, is terrible because the scriptures are rammed down people's throats. The word of God is living and active. It means it can do what it needs to do. All we do need to do is make it available. So what we do is, yes, of course, we are, we're accountable for our faith and we know we have to defend our faith. But in terms of provision and the way a harvester works, we lay down what God gives us to lay down. We provide information. We provide friendship. We provide accessibility. We, make, we, take, it, we, we take away the, the, the difficulty of finding the truth for, from people's situations. We make it easier for them. Um, but collection always comes before consumption. Ruth had to collect before she could consume. So collection comes before consumption. And maybe today you are not committed to Jesus Christ. Maybe your life is still something you are controlling and you haven't surrendered yourself to God for his direction. But, but collection is part of the process. You need to draw in what is going to feed you. You need to draw in what is going to fuel you. And then you can consume. And when you start to consume, then you will start to grow. So collection before consumption. Collection before consumption. We're under no pressure to harass people. We're under no pressure. Just by being there and being faithful to God, we will affect people's lives. Now it's interesting, in the first service, Adam had a prophetic word about um, someone going through a change situation in their job. Now he didn't know that part of the preach this morning, the, the sharing, was around the, the topic of workplace. Boaz was clearly a man with land. Boaz was clearly a man who had a foreman. He was clearly a man who had workers. He was clearly the boss. Boaz was a boss and he was in a work environment here. He worked with his, his men. But it's interesting that when he first met them, um, in this story, he, says, he goes up to them, he says, the Lord be with you. And the workers replied, the Lord bless you. Our work situations are so often the harvest field or the opportunity areas for God to move. Our working environments. God so wants to bless your work, it's amazing. God does. He is intent on blessing your working situation. God is not looking to give you a hard time in your work situation. And if you are in a tough situation with finances or the job itself, I'm telling you today, God's plan is to bring blessing into your working environment. And uh, there might be some things we need to do, but if we want a better life, we need to see that God is actually wanting to work through us and in us in those work situations. God is wanting to do that. Um, it's interesting. He said to the, 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 uh, the workers, don't give her a hard time. And he warned the men not to treat her roughly. God wants us to work. He wants us. He expects us. To, he didn't say to Ruth, you don't have to do anything. She had to work herself. God is expecting us to work. And if you don't work, the Bible's got a dim view of that. In fact, it says in Proverbs 13 verse 4 in the ESV, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. So it's right to work and it's right to be focused. But it also says in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work heartily, willingly, as for the Lord and not for men. Why does the scripture say Because God looks at what we do in our workplace. He looks at our behaviour. Are we acting with integrity? Are we acting in the right way? Are we treating people with the right respect? Are we caring for people? Are we taking advantage of people? Um, that applies to bosses as well as the workers. Are we doing that? Proverbs 14.23 says, uh, Work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. 
And sometimes people want to talk about stuff, but they don't get on and do anything. And, you know, principally, we've got to do stuff. We're doers. We're doers. You know, James talks about faith is in the, the work we do. Faith that works is dead. We know that from Abraham and Isaac. Abraham's faith in Genesis 22 was all about the obedience to do something when God instructs. And obedience is one of those big triggers of genuine, powerful faith. Obedience. One of the most powerful faith areas is obedience. You know, in 2014, government stats suggest that 50% of the employed people in the London area were looking for new jobs. I guess there's quite a lot of people in this room that are in a process of change or thinking about change. That's a high statistic. 50% of employed people in the London area were looking for new jobs in 2014. That was last year. It must be the same this year. And uh, the same report talks about four signs that an employee may leave, (laughs) may quit. One of those signs is a notable change in attitude. I guess it's a negative attitude. Um, The second one is a drop in productivity. There's a surprise. Um, Drop in productivity. Third one, they start wearing smarter clothes. I wonder why that is. Perhaps they're going for interviews. Who knows? Um, And then finally... um, they start taking longer lunch breaks. So interesting, isn't it? Four signs that an employee may quit at any point. Well, you know, what is going on in your situation right now? Maybe you need a major shift in your working environment. Maybe you are a boss who has not been doing the right thing. Maybe you have been, been somewhat inappropriate in your approach. Maybe you feel that, that, that um, anything goes. It's business after all. It's not the church. You know, I can get away with stuff. Well, that's not true. God sees everything we do. And maybe you're a worker in an environment. Maybe you're a student, but maybe you are a worker in an environment. And you're, you're basically looking for shortcuts all the time or, or you're not really carrying your responsibility right. Or maybe you're lacking a bit of integrity and you're just, maybe there's a bit of staff shrinkage. Who knows what could be going on? Either way, God sees all that stuff. And that's where we spend a huge amount of our time in life. And God sees that and God wants to bring his presence in. God wants to reward us. So if you do the opposite... If you do the opposite, if you are in a situation where things are running against you, bring God firmly into the situation. Bring God into it. Bring God into the situation. I believe this morning, why does God want us to talk about this? Because God wants to be in your work situations. I believe this morning God is wanting to change some of your work situations. Not because you've done anything bad, but just that He wants to bring change. And I think God is saying to us, and a number of people came up to me after the first service and said they felt a real conviction that God was leading them into a time of change, and this is so important for them right now. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's many of you that God is about to change your working scenario. He's about to change it. He may have taken you through a painful change and he may be not so painful. But either, either way, I think God is probably bringing change around in your situation. Why? Because he wants to demonstrate his sovereignty in your work environment. He wants it. He wants you to intentionally bring him in. He wants you to influence people. He wants you to, um, to stand for the truth. He wants you to behave as though you are godly in your situation and you watch what's going to happen I'd love to hear the testimonies that come through over the next few months of how God is moving you in a change point at this, at this point in time you know I want to commend a few of the people in the church that I know about and many of you are highly highly um, trusted and reliable people but I want to commend a few people I did it in the first service 
Richard Sumner, you know, he goes into meetings, business meetings, and he talks actively about who Jesus is and brings a challenge in. Those of you who know him will know he does that. Rob Shaw, sorry, Rob, I don't mean to embarrass you, but I know he runs Alpha um, at lunchtimes on occasions throughout the year. He's got an active living faith that's visible in his workplace. Uh, Martin Littlechild is actively changing the direction of his life so that he's obedient to Christ and listening to what the Holy Spirit's saying. He's actively doing it. He's going against normality and deliberately employing the Holy Spirit and when I say employing, I mean working with. Um, you can't buy the Holy Spirit. You do understand that. Um, you know, Fred in the first service uh, as well, and others, Deborah and many others, they're seeing the fruits of, of bringing God firmly into the workplace and standing up for the truth of who God is. You know, in my own situation, for many years, I, I, I didn't think I was qualified enough. I didn't think I was necessarily the right person. But God just brought opportunity along it just so happened doors opened you know I, I can't say I ever had a career that was planned or strategized or anything like that. I just didn't in fact I thought it was the worst possible fit for the working world I was in and yet by God's grace I ended up getting promoted and promoted and promoted and people would say well how on earth has all this happened and I used to genuinely say I really don't know apart from I submit my life to God that's, that's all I know and I used to pray regularly God I submit my day to you today and even if you're busy as anything that one prayer, I remember that over all the years in the secular world. Lord, today, whatever's going to happen, I submit my will to yours. Your will be done today. I submit myself. You know, that word submit is so important. It's not about being controlled. It's about allowing the sovereignty of God to affect and define the future. You can't even see it working just by praying it. God, I submit myself to you. I'm submitting. I'm humbling myself before your will. God, your will be done. And the doors just flew open. Um, it's just very embarrassing at times how that, those things happen, but it happened. And we do, it's not that we don't make mistakes. It's just that when we do, God's there as well. God navigates. You know, some government research talks about those who are satisfied and those who are unsatisfied. And uh, the most unsatisfied workers, they say, currently are publicans. I can understand why. Uh, bricklayers and debt collectors. You think they'd all be quite busy from time in one respect. But the most satisfied workers, this is if you're looking for a change in a particular direction, the most satisfied workers, according to government research, are vicars. <laughs> priests, I guess by that account, pastors, um, farmers and fitness instructors. So that's where they go if you want job satisfaction. So, um, But by God's grace, you know, it's, it's great to know. But it's interesting, isn't it, that certain jobs satisfy and certain jobs don't satisfy. And if you're not feeling satisfied, bring it to God. Trust him. Lay a fleece down before him and ask him to guide you and lead you. You know, just ask him. It says in Proverbs 3, 9, Honour the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all you produce. Another major thing here. If God has trusted, and Ibo did a great job with the offering, you know, first and second service. When God gives stuff to us, part of our stewardship in the kingdom is how we release that stuff. Your leadership and your capacity to grow is so linked to your ability to release and have biblical principle and practice in your life. A friend of mine um, who works with a major Christian charity in America, he was a board director. Um, he made so much finance in his life. He went from giving away you know, tithing at 10%. A lot of people seem to struggle with 10%, but he went from tithing. He just grew it. He said, Lord, I'm going to stretch it. I'm going to go more. 12, 14, 16, 18, 20... 
going up from that 30, 40, 50, eventually got to 90% tithing. That's not tithing anymore. I don't know what you call it, but it's not a tenth. It's a, ni- it's a 90th. Whatever that would be, you can do that as homework. But um, So he was living on, on t- living on 10% and giving away 90%. And uh, you know, some of us think, oh, what, what a great thing to be able to live in an environment where that was really happening. Well, to do it, you have to grow, you have to go through the process of, of um, discovering God's reality in that situation. So if we're going to have a better life, we've got to help ourselves by starting to receive what God's really providing. Where's he really blessing? Um, secondly, see the unseen provision and understand that he is providing it. And thirdly, realize that God is going to fill you to overflowing. That's his plan. His plan is to fill you to overflowing. His plan is never to make it mediocre. His plan is always to fill to overflowing. Whatever that overflowing looks like in your life, that's his plan. And as I put this preach together, I felt God prophetically said to me, I want my people to shine. I want my people to shine. What does that mean? I want my people to shine. I want people to see my people. I want my people to be visible. I want people to shine. And God will fill us to overflowing so that we shine. That's the point. God wants us to shine. God is with you. Ruth 2.17, it says, When she beat out the grain that evening, it filled an empty entire basket. Now, the ESV uses slightly different language in that verse. It says, It was about an epaph of barley. That's a lot of grain. Uh, nine imperial gallons they estimate the size of a barrel of beer so I guess it's pretty big and in fact in old times that was the weight a donkey could carry that's how much she harvested in a day she, she harvested and, and beat out enough grain to be a full load for a donkey that's how much she, she was able to harvest by God's grace and she had more than enough more than that she had the, the roasted grain from lunchtime which she also took back to Naomi and we know from Scripture that there are, far, there are, there are three major harvests reported in the Bible. Um, in Jewish custom and tradition, there was the harvest, which was the barley harvest, which is where Boaz, Naomi and Ruth are now operating. The barley harvest. And it happens around the time of Passover. That's why this story is a picture of the New Testament. You know, Jesus gave his life at Passover. It was at Passover. So when, when we see the parallel back into the book of Ruth, we're seeing the, the story unfolding of how a man gives his life to somebody else. That's what's happening. This is the story of Boaz and Ruth and the influence on Naomi. The other harvest, there's a wheat harvest in Jewish history, which is, uh, comes at the time of Pentecost. And there's a grape harvest at the time of the tabernacles. But in terms of Passover, it's powerful. God has a plan. Jeremiah 29:13 says, "You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Come to me and eat. You'll seek me when you find and find me when you seek me with all your heart." That verse goes on. Don't put up the rest of it, but if you go on a little further into verse 14, it says something very very interesting there. And I think this is prophetic for someone in this room this morning. Not only will you seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, verse 14 starts off by saying, I will be found by you. And this is a prophetic word for someone in in this meeting. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you. I will restore your fortunes and gather you. God is saying that this morning 
God is speaking into this congregation. He's saying that and he spoke to me during our worship time that that is what he intends to do. But it's about being filled and full of, of what he's doing, not what we are doing. It's about what he's doing. Romans 15, 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. You will overflow. God's plan is always overflow. His plan is always excess. His plan is always more than enough. His plan is always that bit extra. That's his plan. You know, Ruth, um, Naomi expected Ruth to go out and scavenge and come back with a few bits and pieces. She didn't. She encountered Boaz. It just so happened. And by the evening, she returns home with a donkey load of stuff. And it makes you wonder, what could God do in our lives? What is God planning? If God is wanting us to know this stuff, if God's wanting to open this up to us, what's he planning? I believe BCC is a storehouse. I believe God is, is going to call many people to this church to find him, to find salvation. You guys are important in BCC because he's called you here to be part of that harvesting process but it's not just harvesting it's the whole threshing it's the whole releasing it's the whole equipping it's fantastic that our training programs are starting to fill up even before they've started it's amazing what's going on I would encourage you don't ignore the training opportunities in the life of the church if they come up grab them because God is equipping people in the church this is definitely a storehouse church I know it's happening you know even with um with the work with Macedonia that we've been doing for a number of years. Vlad and I were over at HCF last Sunday morning. And we were amazed that um, Pete and Kim Mary, the pastors of the church there, they just said, come and preach, tell us a bit about Macedonia. Eleven people, most of them in their 20s, all signed up and said, we want to come with your church to Macedonia in 2015. And you guys don't even know what the plan is yet. They know more about it than you do, and they're not even in our church. See, when we give of ourselves, God provides more than you expect. We're even working with the AOG guys nationally. We're going to have a Balkans forum again here this year. And already I've got a whole bunch of pastors lined up to fly into the country in March. So they're going to, this place is going to be full again with pastors from around the UK and abroad. Um, leaders in multiple countries are going to be in this church. And you know what? More than that, the AOG guys have asked if we'll have the Central European Forum for the whole of the UK the day after at BCC. We didn't ask for that. You know, it's hassle for us, really. But you've got to say, well, hang on, God, what are you doing? You know what? What AOG does is what AOG does. But I believe God's making us a storehouse. That means if he's, if he's going to make this a storehouse, he's going to pour provision in through the workers. Do you get it? You guys are lined up for something big. I'm telling you, this isn't a case of uh, hit and hope. This is a case of pray and believe. Pray and believe. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. I believe God is planning to release stuff through the life of this church that we have not seen before. And this year is a big year. That's why these prayer meetings are are so important. Prayer is where the power is. Prayer is where the power is. That's why we believe it. That's why we have a prayer meeting every single week of the year. We have it, except for Christmas week um, and a couple of days in the summer. But apart from that, we have it throughout the year. And it's amazing. It's so powerful. You know, just in closing, it talks about um, uh, Ruth had the stuff and Naomi, her mother-in-law, saw what she had gleaned, it says in the ESV, verse 18 in the ESV. The mother saw what she had gleaned. And that word saw is a word that links directly to birds of prey. It's not she glimpsed, she saw. And birds of prey, raptors, um, vultures, 
hawks and eagles, their eyesight is eight times the strength of a human being's. Eight times. They can see a rabbit from a mile away. Why does it say that Naomi saw like a raptor the fact that she had the grain? You, you, you could almost be blind, I should think, and see the bag. But why is it with eight times power she saw it? It's because when God provides, he makes it very, 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 very visible to other people. So when God provides through you, he will make it very, very, very visible what he's doing through you. Do you see what I'm saying? He's going to make your life visible. It means that you don't have to stress out about things, but he's going to make your life visible. And so this morning, this is prophetic. I believe the church is being raised up to be a a storehouse of visibility for our community, both in this country and abroad.